Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Do you struggle with knowing exactly what you should be doing to move the needle forward in your business? And do you struggle with knowing what to focus on next? If so, if this sounds like you, I have two solutions for you. Number one is mastermind groups. There is so much power in getting people together and helping to solve each other's problems. At Eat Blog Talk, we have put together our own mastermind groups and we are hosting these weekly. You can join at any time. You can try it out for a month or you can sign up for a quarter or you can go all in and sign up for an entire year. Come join us. See if it's a great fit for you. And this will really help you to solve those problems you're having in your business and give you clarity about what you should be doing next to move your business forward. The next solution is the Eat Blog Talk membership. I have spent all of 2021 so far putting so much value inside of the membership. It is such a supportive and wonderful place to be for food bloggers. We are learning so much from each other. We are joining together in monthly intensive calls where we focus on very specific parts of food blogging in order to grow our businesses in massive ways. We also have guest experts come in and join us very regularly to talk about really specific parts of food blogging. And we get one-on-one -on -one access to these experts, such as Matt Mullen from Email Crush, Casey Marquis from MediaWise. So many great people are joining us in these sessions and they are super valuable. There are so many reasons why you should be in the membership. I could not even start touching on all of it. If you're tired of wandering around aimlessly in your business and not knowing what to focus on, Give the membership a try for free for two weeks. Go to eatblogtalk.com. You can sign up for the masterminds there and you can also start the process of getting into the membership for two weeks just to check it out. The rest of us can't wait to see you inside. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. I have Whitney Wright with me today from saltandbaker.com, and we're going to have a discussion about artificial lighting as a tool to balance work life. Whitney's blog features easy to follow recipes with common household ingredients. She used to exclusively photograph and shoot video with natural light, but has transitioned to full artificial light and she loves it. She enjoys making videos for food bloggers as well as large food brands. Whitney's branding style is very consistent so people know what they'll get every single time. Whitney, I'm excited to chat about this with you today, but first we all want to hear your fun fact. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Um, as far as a fun fact goes, I actually met my husband when I was three years old. He lived directly across the street from me and I was still young and my family moved across town. So we lived about 15 minutes away, but we went to the same high school. Um, however, we never talked to each other. He was a little bit older than me, um, but then we became friends and started dating when we were in college. So people always kind of think that's kind of funny and it's a little bit ironic, but I have memories of him when I was little and 
here we are. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So you grew up, you grew up really close in proximity, but you never really had a friendship. But you just kind of knew you knew he was there. Right. And our families knew each other and were friends, but it wasn't like he and I ever communicated. <laughs> uh, that's so funny. I I love that for some reason. Just like you were always around him and then you formed a friendship in college. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Uh, okay. So I'm super excited, Whitney, to talk to you about balance, work-life balance, because this is a huge topic for me too. I love talking about this. It's a big deal. It's really hard to find that balance, especially when we work from home. We're food bloggers. We're in our basements or sitting on our couches working. And some of us have kids around and families and food to make, right? So it's hard to like draw those boundaries and figure out how to make it work. So it sounds like you've got some really great points for us. And let's start by talking about your lighting situation because you use lighting as a way to kind of find more balance and find more time, right? First, would you mind telling us how you moved from natural lighting to shoot your photos and your video into using artificial lighting, kind of how that transpired and how it helps you? Yeah. So I was exclusively shooting with natural light, which I'm sure a lot of people are still doing Um, I was doing video with natural light and my photography with natural light. And I love the look of it. It looks beautiful. There's a reason why people like it. But I was almost forced to move into artificial light because my family moved. The house that we live in currently just was not conducive for natural light usage. And I tried what I could, but I just couldn't get it to look how I wanted So I gladly accepted the fact that I was going to shoot artificial and I love it. I, if I were given the chance to shoot natural light, I would probably still use artificial because it's so convenient. And as far as video goes, when you are shooting with artificial light, there's a lot less editing in regards to like the tweaking of the light. Um, Sometimes the sun will go behind the clouds And then you're having to change the white balance frequently. And there's just a lot more chopping of the video, cutting it, fixing lighting. So artificial light has really helped make my editing process a lot smoother and faster. And with the photography, I love artificial light because it has allowed me to work when it's convenient. So as a mom, I have to be able to adapt and, um, this artificial light usage allows a lot of flexibility because I can either film or I can photograph in the morning before the sun comes, the sun comes up or in the evenings. So that's made it really nice. So convenient. Yeah. Cause it is hard planning around the sun, right? I've done that for so many years. I'm like, I have to get this shot by four o'clock when it's winter because the sun goes down super early here and it's just not always convenient. And my family has adapted over the years, but it's really annoying. (laughs) So to be able to like control when you do that, I can see that being just a huge weight off your shoulders. So tell us about your setup. Do you have something set up in your house that you can consistently go to? So what I do is I have just a small room off the kitchen. And 
Um, I do have to set up and take down depending on whether I'm shooting a a video or if I'm taking pictures. And it's not too bad because I have equipment that is quite easy to take down and put back up. And I selected it for that purpose. So for video, I am currently using, I have two Draycast LED light panels and I set them up so that it almost is like a really large window. Cause that is what I was used to shooting when I was using natural light. I had my whole setup in front of a really large full length window. And so then I put up a really big diffuser and I'll even on occasion take a diffuser sheet. And I probably, there's probably a technical term for it, but I don't know it. And that will really soften the light if I want it. It just depends on what kind of look I'm going for. So it's really easy. I just put the lights in the position. When I'm done, turn the lights off, put them in the corner As far as my photography setup, I use a Godox 8600 Pro and then um, I use an umbrella. So I bounce the light off a big umbrella. I use the Pro Photo deep white umbrella and it's the size large. And so that kind of gives me the same feel of a really large window. And obviously that's what I'm used to. So that's what I like to do. You have so many other options with artificial light. You can um, you can use grids so that you can get a moodier fill. You can use strip boxes, which I do have a strip box, but I don't necessarily go for that kind of a moody feel as often. So you can manipulate the light, make it what you want. If you haven't tried artificial light, I'm just like a huge believer in it. I love it. That's great. I think it's scary to a lot of bloggers, myself included. I tested with it years ago for the same reason. It was just like I wanted control of that whole situation. And I liked it okay, but I agree that natural lighting just is so beautiful. So I do try to use 100% natural lighting now for that reason. Um, but the way you described it, Whitney, it's like very approachable and very doable. You've got two LED light panels that you can put up easily. And then it sounds like you've just got a system so you can put it up, take it down. It's not taking you that much time. It's not a huge investment. Yeah, right. And I know that there's some other people who do video that have like lights from their ceiling. And I have just had to keep mine very simple. So I've gotten comfortable with what I use and the equipment that I have. And so for people who maybe are starting out or wanting to dip their toes into artificial light, um, maybe don't invest in the most expensive equipment, but start somewhere, do a couple videos or pictures, whatever you're doing, and just get comfortable with it. Your editing will have to adjust and adapt. But you'll get used to it and you can edit to make it look like you're using natural light. Mm, That's a good point, too. There's so much power in the editing side. And we 
sometimes discount that as well. And then I love your recommendation not to invest in something super expensive right off the bat. Just do something little to experiment. And then with as with everything else, you can just grow from there. Like with photography, I know people say this all the time. Start with your iPhone if you've never taken pictures before of food and then upgrade from there. Just start with where you're at, like buy something really simple. There's so many options on Amazon, right? If you type in artificial lighting for whatever, food photography or photography. You can find something for your budget, definitely. Yes, great stuff. Okay, so you're making it sound very doable. You're making it sound like this is something that can simplify your life, especially if you're a busy mom. Um, Talked through some equipment and details. So how did you use this as a way to make more, like monetize and help other bloggers um, so talk through that and then tell other bloggers who maybe are thinking about doing this, how they can get started. Um, so I originally started doing some food videos for one of my really good friends who had a food blog. This was years ago. And so that's kind of how I got my feet wet. And she and I were kind of learning it together. And then I took over for her exclusively. And then it just was by word of mouth. So say you are someone who's wanting to provide video services for other bloggers. What I would suggest is maybe reach out to them or have a video or two or three that you can send to them and they can just see what you do. And um, I think that helps people get an idea of what your style is like. If they were to send you a recipe, they would have a pretty good feel of the end product that you would return to them. Reaching out to bloggers that maybe you know and sending examples. I love that recommendation because it does seem overwhelming and intimidating to reach out to someone you don't know and be like, hey, I would love to do video for you. But if it's somebody that you've made a connection with, even if it's just an online connection, they're probably going to be more likely to say, oh, sure, I'll support you. So that was great. And then what do you think about pricing? How do people know where to start with that because it can be such a range, right? Like $25 or do I charge $500? I mean, where do they start? Yeah. So this, that is definitely a little bit trickier. Um, it all depends on your experience, you know, the style that you're doing and your quality naturally, obviously quality is important, but you do have to price yourself competitively still. Like I still believe that these kinds of discussions are best done in private. So I would suggest reaching out maybe personally to some friends you have within the blogging community. Um, Talk to them, gauge your experience level, and then maybe make a decision based on all of that information. You always want to take into account what your time is worth. So if doing it at that price is worth the time, the energy, the stress, then go for it. But like at the end of the day, you have to be happy with your decision. And if you're not happy with it, you're going to have a bad experience. And ultimately, you're going to resent making those videos and the quality of those videos might suffer. So it's really just kind of have to talk to people and maybe even talk to people who are in like your same um, pond. I don't know the word that I'm looking for, like your same expertise level, experience level and what they suggest as well. And I think 
it's kind of a gut feeling thing. Like pricing is really personal and it's something you have to like really get in touch with yourself about because at the end of the day, it comes down to what you feel good about. Like we've all done those projects where we undercharge. I think, well, I've done so many (laughs) and and you're in the middle of it and you're at the end of it and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I just spent all that energy and time getting this much money back. I've done that so many times in my life. So if you're feeling that way, even getting started with a project, you're not charging enough. So you need to feel like when I get to the end of this project, I'm going to feel good about earning that much money. So it's, I feel like there's no cut and dried answer, right? Right. Like you have to just kind of get in touch with your inner self and like what is going to feel good for you. And that could be $25, like I said, and it could go up to $500 or more, but it's not something that anyone can tell you. Um, I liked your recommendation just to kind of look around, ask around, ask what other people are doing and charging, and then create your own pricing, really. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I've had experiences like you have shared where you do it and you just resent it the whole time and you're like grumpy about it. Oh my gosh, yes. So, yes. Oh my, there's nothing worse than that too. I used to do portrait photography and I was always way too nice. And looking back, I'm like, why did I do this? But I would give everyone discounts because I wanted business. Everybody. I was like, oh, I'll take $100 off. It was so ridiculous. And the whole time I was resentful. Like, I'm not making enough money. Well, it was my fault. It wasn't their fault. I told them to (laughs) give me less money. So it was a huge lesson to learn. And now I just feel like any project I go into, I need to feel like, yes, I am worth that. Like, this is the money that I need to earn in order to make this work worth it. And, you know, my husband is really good at this. I tend to want to make a decision quickly. Like, oh, someone sent me an email. I need to respond right away, which depending on the topic of the email, then I would. But when it's as far as like your business and pricing and getting a good idea of what your services are worth, you kind of need to sit on it for a little bit and make sure you feel good about it. Having a good gut feeling about it, like you had mentioned a few minutes ago. I think that's really important. Yeah, I love that. Whitney, sit with it. I'm the same way. I will be like, oh, I need to decide this in an hour. And my husband too is the same. He'll be like, well, why can't you just think about it for a little bit? Like, well, I need to decide now. But you don't really. You can sit with it for a day and see how it feels. So that is so great. Um, I hope that helps somebody just to kind of think through pricing if they're um, wanting to do video or photos for for other bloggers. Uh, Let's talk about the work-life balance, just kind of how you juggle everything. I know that you have a family and you're busy. You've got a busy business and a busy life. So what are your best tips for managing all of that? Well, um, like you mentioned, yes, I do have kids. I'm actually expecting my third very soon. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you. And... My husband doesn't help with my stuff. I know some people are really blessed to have other families supporting their business and their blogging journey. And that's so awesome. Um, But as far as like juggling and balancing life, I feel like I need to give a little bit of background. Um, So growing up, my mom was like always there and always very supportive. She attended like every single sporting event, 
or school thing that myself or my four other siblings had. And this meant a lot to me. And so having that has really helped me make a decision for how I want to be. So I have decided that I want to be very present in my children's lives. So having that be an active decision that I've made, that kind of changes how I have approached my juggling and balancing life. And we talked about having artificial life, uh, sorry, artificial light and how that has helped because doing that has allowed me to work when it's convenient and when I can be most efficient. So um, let's see. I actually have my youngest son. He will go to preschool just like a couple times a week. And so when he does, I always have like a specific plan and schedule in place. So sometimes I'll even time block, not always, but if I do, um, I will always give myself some extra space and time for whatever may come up. You have to be flexible, right? Especially when you're a mom. Um, But having a plan and being intentional with the tasks that I want to accomplish in a specific time frame really helps. And another thing is like just working when it's efficient for me, like when I can be the most efficient. So sometimes I would wake up before my kids would wake up and photograph a recipe, which obviously not everyone can do that. But that has been something that I do because I want to be with my kids. Um, I don't want to be completely torn photographing in the middle of the afternoon and they're yelling at me that they need me. Um, the artificial lighting helps with that because otherwise you wouldn't be able to get up whenever you want and photograph. You'd have to wait for the sun to be perfect, right? So that's really helpful. It's totally helpful. So that's been a great tool. I consider artificial light a tool that helps me achieve work-life balance. Yeah, absolutely. I've never looked at it like that, but I love that perspective. And I 100% respect you in the way that you prioritize your kids and your family time. I love that. And it sounds like you and I work very similarly in that we have a plan for when we're going to work. And then we're super intentional about the time we have and the work we do. I am the same way. Like every day I have a plan for the next day. I know when my boys are at school and I make the absolute most of every minute of those days. Even if I feel like crap, I sit down and I work until they're home. And then they're older. Like they're, it sounds like they're a little bit older than your kids, but I still want to make time for them and they are my priority as well. And that way I know like, okay, when it's three o'clock in their home, I can get some work done, but my priority is to sit and make sure their homework is done and to talk to them about their day. And that makes me feel good. And it's not always easy, right, Whitney? Like going through the day um, during those stretches when we need to be super efficient and productive, it's hard. I mean, it's not an easy thing, but that motivates me to just get through those times. Like I have to keep working and I have to work as hard as I can because when they're home, I want to be there for them. Totally. I love that you do that too. That's that's kind of been my mindset and goal as well. When they're gone, work hard and as fast as you can, which another thing for me is I don't multitask frequently when I'm like doing my work. And so when I say that, um, I used to like a year ago, maybe I would have like my phone and I would watch a show while I'm 
editing pictures or editing a video. And my husband was the one that was kind of like confused why I was doing that. Like multitasking is like not efficient. It takes so much longer. And I stopped and guess what? He was so right. When you can just focus on the task at hand, you get it done a lot quicker. So that's another thing that I have um, adopted is when I work, I just work and I really try and limit any distractions. And I've really kind of cut off that time so that I can be as efficient as possible in that short time frame. It takes energy to absorb information. And I've learned that too over the years that I can't be as efficient as possible when I am absorbing something else while I'm working. And it actually depletes me much more quickly. So it's strategic, I think, to work and just work. And you're preserving energy, you're preserving brain space for the important stuff, your kids, later by doing that. So I love that. Multitasking is like a silent killer of our business. (laughs) Yeah, it can be, definitely. At least for me. I know some people can really thrive off of it. So that may not be advice for everyone, but... Yeah. I mean, there is a time and place for multitasking. Like when I'm getting dinner ready, I try to do you know, all the things like making lunch for the next day for the boys. And, you know, like there's a time and place for multitasking. But when you're working, I feel like you need to focus on your work as much as possible just so that you can be done whenever you want to be done. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I would love to talk to you about this concept of like time basically expanding to fill the time you allow for it. So the the whole concept of Parkinson's law, I don't know if you've heard of that, but work expands to fill the time available for its completion. And we talked before the interview about this a little bit. You allot so much time and that's how much you're going to spend on it. My, my husband, I talk about him a lot, right? He's a great person. So love him. He is just full of all the knowledge, <laughs> but he, he loves to refer to blogging um, as like a gas. And it's so true. When he had first told me that whole, he, when he kind of gave me that imagery, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes complete sense. Blogging is like a gas because it will fill up whatever size container you will give it. And if you don't give it a container, it will fill up your entire life. So you have to set boundaries. You have to kind of make sacrifices. Um, I'm sure we all think I can get more page views, traffic, And make this more profitable if I do like X, Y, and Z. But um, at some point, you have to intentionally decide not to do what everyone else is doing. And basically, you're choosing balance over success. And not that you can't be successful. You definitely can. But it's kind of having that boundary and setting those boundaries so that you can be better balanced and have that work-life balance that so many people say they want, but it's kind of hard to put the brakes on, right? It is. It's so tempting. Like, oh, I could get more traffic if I just worked two more hours tonight. But it's actually what I found is it's counterproductive because when you work those two more hours, you're really not as efficient. Like your work time is like maybe for me, it's like 40%, sometimes less. So then the next day, you might be a little bit ahead, but is it worth it enough? Most of the time, the answer is no for me. So I've just stopped. I've stopped working in the evenings. I used to do that 
every night, Whitney. I wish I could get those years back, but I used to open my computer when I was hanging out with my husband and I wasted all of that time and I didn't need to. And now I'm just like five o'clock. I'm done. My computer goes down. I'm going to be way more efficient tomorrow if I do this. No, I 100% I have been in that same situation. And even here and there, I definitely struggle because you hear or you know that so many other people are doing so much more than you and like, oh, if I could just do that, maybe I would have the amount of traffic they do, or I would be just as successful or whatever like your train of thought is. But you have to do what's right for you. And that answer may be different for everyone. Um, Obviously, the way I approach my work-life balance may not line up with other people's approach. And that's okay too. But one other thing I was going to say, so with like setting boundaries, I know social media is a big one. And so when I am kind of in my working zone, I like keep my phone in the other room. And there's a piece of advice that I heard from someone in regards to social media. And it was to have a plan of action and be purposeful with your time on any of the platform, the platforms that you are using. And I've loved that because it's kind of changed the way I approach it. So I don't go and scroll. Um, I just try and, okay, what is my purpose for today with this platform? Let me do it, be done with it and not linger longer. (laughs) So ahead of time, before you go into it, you have kind of a plan, you know how much time you're going to spend, you know what your goal is. And so you're not just like wildly going in and scrolling forever. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's I, I try to do that. Am I perfect? No, but... Right. Right. We all have those days where we don't intend to and then something catches our eye and we're scrolling and we're like, oh, that's a nice, fun new account. I'm going to look at that. <laughs> and then you catch yourself like, oh, I have to get out of here. Do you have guidelines set for like how much time you can spend in Instagram? And do you do TikTok? Like how many different platforms do you dip into throughout the day? Not many because I don't love social media. And I know that I probably should considering that I have blogging as my job. And I know social media is such a big part of it. I don't have YouTube and I'm okay with that. I realize that I just, that's not going to be my thing. I don't have the time to work on that platform um, or produce content for it. I don't also, I don't do TikTok. Um, I guess I should just say what I do do. Um, that is Pinterest and Instagram and a little bit of Facebook. And I guess the way, I don't know if this is a good thing to admit or not, but I have set up my Facebook so that it is strictly business. So when I get on there, the only things I see in the home feed are blogging related. And so I get on there and there's really no distractions because I only see blogging related things. So I'll go and drop like my a link to one of my recipes and maybe a roundup group. And I feel like I've really gotten to a good place with my Facebook. As far as Instagram goes, I don't have like a set time I try and just stay on there for a couple minutes, interact, um, put up a Instagram post, and I call it good. I know that's so basic, and I'm not the person to go to if you want social media advice because 
I don't love it. And I probably should hire it out to someone, but I don't know. (laughs) Something's holding me back. (laughs) I think that's okay. I think that's good, actually. And we can all learn from you because, you know, that whole like FOMO, fear of missing out thing. People get so caught up in that, myself included. I hear that everyone's on TikTok and killing it over there. So I feel like I should go try it. But then it's like, I'm giving it like 10% of my energy. So is it really worth it? No, it's not because it's my heart is not in it. So I actually really respect what you do. And you say that's so basic, but I think that's actually what we should be doing. So many of us are so caught up in social media and it's draining. It can be exhausting looking through social media. If you think about it, I mean, we aren't octopuses with like eight arms and legs and we can't stretch ourselves in so many ways. We have to really decide what our main focus wants to be. And for me, I love posting to my website. I just love it. It's challenging. It's satisfying. It's so fulfilling. And that has always been and will always be my number one focus is my website because I love it. Um, I don't love the social media arms and legs or however you want to refer to it. I don't love the social media aspect. So I don't put as much time or energy or effort into it because it's just not the thing that brings me joy. So for me, I've decided work on my blog. That'll be my number one priority. And if it changes, then it changes. And if I grow to love doing Instagram, then maybe I'll put a whole lot more time and energy into it. But right now, that's kind of where I'm at. If you love a certain part of it, that's where your energy should go. You shouldn't have to force the other parts so much. So being basic, I think is totally okay, Whitney. I love that you do that. And by the way, can I mention, I just pulled up your Instagram. You have like 12,000 followers and you hate Instagram and social media. That's amazing. (laughs) So maybe your lack of focus on it actually brings people in or something. How do you explain that? I mean, that's a lot of followers. It hasn't grown very quickly. So that's the biggest thing. Um, I haven't put an emphasis on it to try and build my following. And I know that being active on Instagram stories is pretty important to getting that growth. And it's just, it's hard for me because here we go to boundaries. I don't want to share too much of my personal life. Like there's work and then there's my personal life. And I don't want my personal life to intertwined with work life too much. It's hard. I would love <laughs> I would love to see the following grow, but to do that I know you have to you have to put in a lot of the effort and I guess I just haven't done that unfortunately. Well, good for you. I think this is all just so awesome that you have your priorities straight, you know where you want to spend your time, you love your family and your children and you want to put your focus there. And you've just figured out a way to make that work and get also get your work done and be efficient with your work. I know it may not be a common opinion, but yeah, that's kind of the way I have approached working and my personal life. So once you can figure out that balance, I mean, it's never figured out, right? I mean, we're always tweaking and working, but once you can kind of get a handle on it, things get so much easier. It's like your work and your life is Like everything's working with you instead of like, ah, I never have the time for my family or I never have time for work. So if you can just like figure it out a little bit, this magic opens up in what you can accomplish and how you can spend your time. The hardest thing for me is I tend to be a workaholic and I want to do more, more, more. 
And the hardest thing for me is cutting back. So like, oh man, if I could post like once a day, that would be so cool. I would love to, but it's just not in the cards. And if I did that, everything would completely go out of whack. So it does come with a lot of sacrifice and you have to be okay with that. But you also will realize that it's a good trade-off. You're not losing because you're actually gaining in the end. So true. I love those words. Oh my goodness. And it's like you do have to be a little bit disciplined, right? With what you want to do because I'm the same way. I will say like, oh, it'd be so cool if I could do um, like one post a day, like you said, or publish one episode a day. I've had those thoughts and I'm like, no, Megan, step off. Like you've got to rein it in and you can't do it all. So you do have to be really kind of strict with yourself as far as what your boundaries are. Whitney, if there's one takeaway that you could impart to food bloggers along the lines of everything we've talked about with work-life balance, what would it be? Blogging's like a gas and it will fill whatever size container you give it. And if you don't give it a container, it will fill up your life. And so if you are looking for a better work-life balance, think of that and really sit down and decide how you could make that balance work, whether that's um, taking up artificial light rather than using natural so that you can work at more convenient or efficient times of the day. Um, That's a great tool. So I guess that would be kind of like my short takeaway. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. This was so fun. What a fun chat. This is right up my alley. Something that I think is so important to talk about in our world. There's so much information in our worlds. Like we can absorb all the SEO and the Pinterest and the strategic social media things. And like there's all the things that we can learn. But almost more importantly than any of that is this topic, like figuring out how to balance and take care of ourselves and prioritize the right way and focus on the people we love. And we need to be putting our emphasis here even more than the SEO strategies. You mentioned that you had a favorite quote that you wanted to share. So we want to hear it. So this is something that I also think about quite frequently. And it's a quote that my husband always says, and that is, sometimes money costs too much. And this really helps me keep things in perspective, especially going along with kind of the things that we talked about today. Um, But I know sometimes today it feels like the world is maybe overly money hungry and it can seem like the end goal is the accumulation of money. So this quote helps me realize that money is not the end goal. It's not the end point. Um, Money is a tool. And because it's just a tool, you want to make sure you're not giving up things you care about most for a piece of green paper, essentially. Oh, love it. What a great way to end. Thank you. I think I need to meet your husband. He sounds like such a wise man. (laughs) (laughs) He really is. Maybe you should have interviewed him. Yeah. (laughs) Next time, tell him he's up next. Yeah. We'll, We'll put together a show notes page for you, Whitney, and just put all the takeaways in it. There have been so many great ones. And if anyone wants to go peek at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash salt and baker. Whitney, tell everyone where they can find you online. So I blog at saltandbaker.com. And that's really my big 
go to there and you can find me. You can get in touch with me. Send me an email if you have any questions. And obviously I'm on social media on Instagram at saltandbaker. Or no, I'm just at saltandbaker. Sorry. And that's about it. That's kind of what I do. I'm not all over the internet, just a couple places. <laughs> no, I love it. That's perfect. Well, thank you again so much for being here, Whitney. It was a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.